Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Well, a lot of familiar faces. It's a little scary. Just want to take a moment at this worship experience and uh, just just give you a very brief synopsis of why we're here. January 3rd of last year, I was sitting at a friend of mine's church in Orange County, California, and uh, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life. Uh, was not getting paid anymore. How many of you know that's a motivator? <laughs> and I was just kind of seeking the Lord and but I really wasn't planning on ever preaching again, and I was okay with that. Uh, I was pretty tired of hearing myself, too. And uh, so I thought, well, I'll be done. Uh, but on that morning, God spoke to my heart and said, I have not removed my hand from you. You put yourself on the shelf. I didn't. And uh, reminded me of some things he had spoken to me in 2009. And so I quickly responded, how many of you know, best thing to do is obey the Father. And uh, so I called. I was living in South Texas, so I flew back home there and uh, called a couple of my friends and um, told them that God had spoken to me. And uh, I would not be standing here without these people. Uh, Two of them are preaching today in their own churches. Rob Cope, pastor of Shoreline Church in Austin, Texas, who is on our board and has been a dear friend of mine for 30-some years. We went to college together. Pastor's a great church there. Pastor Marcus Meekham of Seven Hills Church, just outside of Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, two men that uh, during my journey uh, walked hand in hand with me. Uh, oftentimes, pastors don't know what to do with pastors like myself, and, and so they just take a step back. These guys took a step in and uh, loved me, took care of me, took me into their churches, and uh, they became a part of our board. Uh, so when I called my friends here, I came back, and you're going to love this. When I think about a year ago, I came back to Oklahoma City, didn't have a place to live. So I uh, ended up sleeping on a floor in a friend of mine's house on an air mattress that deflated in the night. <laughs> and, um, and then uh, I quickly realized that desperation will give way to creation. And I began to create another way and ended up moving into a garage apartment of another friend of mine who are both on the board. And, and then uh, to get back up here, another friend of mine who was flying up today, he has his own plane, and he's from Corpus Christi, Texas, a business owner there. And uh, he's actually the one that gave me the money to move here and to pay for the first $6,000 of rent at Noah's event venue. So I wouldn't be standing here without these people, and, and I wouldn't be standing uh, without their wives with them. How many of you know behind every great man is a surprise mother-in-law? And so, uh, so I'd just like to ask my four, four friends who are here to stand up, Rick and Sherry Ratliff and Perry and Jill Gross. They're two of the board members here today. They have been lifelong friends, last 20 years. And the other man, John Durham, uh, was diverted. His plane was diverted to Ardmore. He texted me and said, we're landing in Ardmore, and I'm driving to Oklahoma City, so he and Nancy aren't here. But these are people that have stood with me, and uh, 
I'm extremely grateful for their support. Uh, they have been true friends, and now they serve on the Mosaic board, and uh, they have your best interests at heart, and they help me tremendously. Well, today is the dedication of our facility, and what does that really mean? It just simply means we're setting apart this building for God to do something great. Um, and so it's awesome. We welcome you watching online. You will not be disappointed today. How many of you know when someone has been there with you and for you and, and you know they made a spiritual deposit in your life? In June of 2014, Sam Hinn and I had been on Daystar together months before or, or sometime before. I don't know how long ago it was. It was years before. And we met each other at Daystar. We were both being interviewed and, and we were in the green room together and we just met. And, uh, and so when everything went down in June of 2014, I get this call from Sam Hinn who I haven't heard from in a while. And, lives in Orlando, and for the next almost three years, we just forged a friendship, and he would call me, and how are you doing, and what's going on, he made that deposit, and then some 20 years ago, Pastor Jesse came to, to Victory, where I was pastoring, and broken, and, and said, Pastor Mark, he said, I, I, I just want to serve in your house, I said, Jesse, you got too big a call to be in this house, I want to support your dream and your vision, we became friends, and been friends for over 20 years, and I am so honored to have both of you. Both of them have made a spiritual deposit in my life, and I felt like just having them come. So it's going to be a unique day. They each get 10 minutes, and if they do that, you will experience miracle after miracle. And uh, they did good at 930, but you're a little bit more exciting, so I'm sure they'll get revved up. But I've got them at 10. Uh, we will shut their mics off, get a hook, and pull them off. All right, Pastor Sam. Yo, sit down. No, 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 no. You're, you're taking my time. Uh, it is an honor. I am so grateful to be here, and I'm grateful to be here with my wife, Erica, and for her to finally meet the craziest bunch of people I've ever met in my life. I, um, some months ago, I had the honor of, of coming and, and ministering at Mosaic when it was at the Noah Center. Pastor Mark was away. And I fell in love. I just fell in love with this house. I fell in love with the vision. And I'd fallen in love with him. We had a, we've had a bromance for almost three years now. And, um, but uh, I remember when I came. And I remember our journey. Restoration is more than a word. It becomes a way of life when you've had the world that you've known taken from you. And so when I share about restoration, I don't share it as a message. It's, it's, it's a life experience. There's an authority that comes. And I can't describe it. When Pastor Mark told me about this change, this new venue, and asked me to come, I just knew it was God. And so he said to me, I, I want you to sort of do the prayer of dedication. And I was like, what the heck is that? I don't know what that is, but okay, I'll do whatever you ask. So we've had an amazing time since Thursday, and, and um, I, I know that there's a prophetic sense. I already feel it. I felt it in the first service. We have hung around the last couple of days, and so we, 
he had went and we picked up Noreen and we were going to go have lunch and she hadn't had lunch. We had already had breakfast. So my wife said, well, we'll just go to Starbucks and you guys go find out like, let's go. You guys go get a good, a really good lunch. So we stopped at Starbucks and I knew that was the Lord. And I said to the Lord, as I sat in Starbucks with my wife, I said, oh God, I need, I need a word from you. Cause I, I don't know what this prayer dedication thing is, but I need a word from you. And so all I, my, my mind immediately went to the resurrection of Jesus. And so I want to just take a few moments and, and just share with you prophetically what I believe this, this morning represents, this day represents. Because the most dangerous thing to do after a shaming experience is to bury your story. And I want to be one that says to you, Mark Crow, thank you for getting back up again. Thank you for not burying your story. And I remember when I came, I shared out of 1 Samuel, out of 2 Samuel chapter 22, God made my life complete when I placed all my pieces before him, verse 21. When I cleaned up my act, he gave me a fresh start. Indeed, I've kept alert to God's ways. I haven't taken God for granted. Every day, I review the way he works, and I try not to miss a trick. I feel put back together, and I'm watching my step. Verse 25, God rewrote the text of my life when I opened the book of my heart to his eyes. And I believe that God continues to write the text of Mosaic's life. And I believe great things await for this house. Who would have thought just but months ago while at the Noah Center that God would open this door? This will be a house full of miracles. Oh, I want to say that again. I want to thank you for coming to First Baptist this morning. <laughs> this will be a house, and I love the Baptists. This, this will be a house of miracles. I remember the last time I was here, I was sharing out of Isaiah also, 58, verse 11 and 12. And he said, I will always show you where to go. I said that standing at Mosaic, remember, Rick? And I remember the anointing came on my heart about that verse, that, that very line. I will sh always show you where to go. And I will give you a, I will give you a full life in the emptiest, emptiest of places, firm muscles, strong bones. You will be a well-watered garden, a gargling spring that never runs dry. You will use the old rubble of past lives to build anew. Rebuild the foundations out from, from out of your past. Listen, you will be known as those who can fix anything. Restore all ruins, rebuild and renovate and make the community livable again. So what does that have to do in my remaining five minutes and 14 seconds? When I thought about the resurrection of Jesus, the thought that came to me was Jesus arose where he died. Just let that sink in. Jesus arose where he died. The resurrection of Jesus is the hinge on which the doorway of history swings. In 6,000 years of recorded human history, the most important message that, he, that has ever been heard is this. Matthew 28, 6, he isn't here. He's risen from the dead. And just as he said it would happen, they said, come see where his body was laying. And so together, we celebrate another kind of resurrection this morning. 
The resurrection of a new facility, the resurrection of a vision, the resurrection of a man that would not give up on the call of God that is irrevocable. The culmination of our Christian faith is based on the resurrection of Jesus Christ rising from the dead. The resurrection is proof of the validity of Christianity. Listen, Jesus Christ is not alive. If Jesus Christ is not alive, we have no salvation. We have no hope for tomorrow. We have no hope forever. So my thought came to Jesus arose where he died. Death, an all-encompassing word, powerfully powerful by definition, feared by most, yet totally powerless because of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Prophetically speaking, because Jesus' death and resurrection, because of the, the resurrection of Christ, his death and his resurrection, listen, our, our rebirth is a great resurgence that overcomes and redefines death. I want to say that again because it's so prophetic to this house. Because of Jesus' death and resurrection, our rebirth is a great resurgence that overcomes, a resurgence that overcomes and redefines death. Mosaic, your days ahead will be will redefine the death in those that walk through the doors of this house. Mosaic will be a tapestry of the grace of God. The insides of people's lives are going to be all different dark threads, and it's going to look like a mess when you look at the back of a tapestry. But on the front of that tapestry, you will see the grace of God being painted over the lives of those that are so broken. This is a day of the celebration of life. Jesus was crucified and buried. But, but victoriously on the third day after the crucifixion, he rose from the dead, the second greatest act in all of human history. This coming April will be three years. Prophetically, watch what God is going to do in this house in April. There will be a resurrection like there's been no other resurrection in, in the history of this man's ministry. I want, to, I want to wrap up here. Jesus died in Jerusalem. And when he was resurrected, he rose again in Jerusalem. The effectiveness of his resurrection would not have had the effect on the world if he had appeared in Rome or in Athens where no one knew him. The best thing or the easiest thing would have been for Pastor Mark Crow to have risen. He could have come back to life, but come back to life in a city, in a, in a town where no one knows him. But God raised him back up in the very city that he had sold his life into to be a testimony to the city, to be the testimony to the broken, to be a testimony for the hurting that God is not done when you make a mistake with your life. And so publicly, Mark, I want to say again, thank you for not running. Thank you for being bold enough to stand in the city that wanted to, to destroy you. God would not allow it to happen because his story was yet to be told. I want to finish up in my remaining 12 minutes. If he arose again in Persia or Greece, his disciples and those that had seen him crucified, hearing him say, it is finished, would have kept thinking, it's all over. But Jesus arose in Jerusalem where they saw him go down. Where they thought he was defeated. Where the enemy thought he had won. Because of the resurrection.
You can't count these seconds because I'm crying. You can't count those into my 10 minutes. Because of the resurrection, they knew that all was not lost. He was not yet finished. They realized it wasn't over. Because Jesus arose where he died. So let those who think that you are finished, let those who say it's over for you, let them see that God's not done with you. And let God resurrect you where you, had, where you died. And I've heard him say this over and over again. I've heard him say this over and over again. I'm, I'm coming back so that Jesus will be glorified. So, Lord Jesus, we dedicate this facility for one reason, that you, our resurrected king, may be glorified in those who are thought that they had died. I pray that this house will be a house of resurrection for everyone that walks through the doors, a mosaic. The God you would paint, he would paint the most beautiful picture of their lives by your grace. Thank you for this house. Thank you for its leaders. Thank you for all those that serve in this vision. And we thank you for the miracles to come for the resurrections to come in the name of Jesus. Amen. You're loving God today. You know, I'm going to make a, a, a real good promise to you. When I win the lottery, I'm going to get you a really good watch. Amen. Do <laughs> <laughs> you love God today? God, he is an amazing God. Amen. And so I want to really get right down to this. When, when you put three preachers and give them a microphone, or it, that's a bad thing. Amen. <laughs> and so I, I want to say today that I, I truly love God. And uh, yes, indeed, I was in a bad place years ago. And Pastor Mark spoke into my life and picked me up and put me back on, on track again. And it's hard not to help someone who's helped you. Can I get an amen? amen. And so I, I was reminded of, of, of the prodigal son who at one time had had it all. And he began to take his eyes off of where he was and ended up in a place called a pig pen. How many of you know that you might be in a pig pen, but when you're a child of God, you're still royalty in the wrong place? And so I've come to tell you today that our pastor has been in some wrong places, but he was still royalty. No matter what place you're in today, if you're a child of the Most High God, don't care how far down into degradation you've gone, you are royalty in the wrong place. And so we, this church is saying that, that we want to be a, a bridge to that place where you can come and be put back together again. And so I'm going to have to really get after it since I, I'm going to start my 10 minutes right now. I got a bad watch too, amen? <laughs> and so I, I'm thinking uh, about where we are in America today and in the world today. And the Lord was showing me this morning that the world is about to catch up with the church. The world is running so hard right behind us and, and in some cases may have passed us up. I really believe it's time for us to get after it. Amen. 
And for those of you that have come today, maybe out of curiosity or whatever it may be, but if you have come to be a part of the Mosaic Church and this experience, I came to tell you right now, I'm going to make you very uncomfortable because the, the, the whole theme of things for a pastor and a leader is to turn an audience into an army. I don't think, I don't think this church is interested in just babysitting. Can I get an amen? amen? And so I want you to understand also that there are two ways that one can start a church. You can start a church in the flesh or you can start one in the spirit. I've come to tell you today that if this church was started out of the flesh, it'll never go anywhere. I want to I I hold your attention right there. You can operate out of the spirit or you can operate out of the flesh. I don't know a whole lot of things, but I'm going to step out and say this. I don't believe that this church is being birthed out of the flesh or out of our pain because it will not work. And so I want to say from the top of, to the top of this administration right down to the very bottom, unless God is building this house, all efforts of labor will be in vain. It is God that builds the house. And I'll tell you right now, I will never run and chase after a man. Got quiet right there. We're not chasing after a man. We're chasing after the call of God for a broken and busted society. And that's what we're doing. And so I want you to allow me to tell you a story today as Jesus was preparing to build a church. I mean, if you know that you can't just go build a church, some things have to be in order. And so I'm going to tell a story today out of Matthew chapter 16. There were some questions and answers that were going to go on. And before this, eight months before this, these men were on a boat with Jesus and the waves were so high and choppy and Jesus stood up and said to the winds and the waves the same things he had said to Mark Crow, peace be still, I got this. And those men on that boat said these words to each other, who is this that even the winds and the waves obey? There he was in the middle of all of this, and they say, who is it? They hadn't got a revelation yet of how powerful our God is. And many of you under the sound of my voice, you've not got a revelation yet. 39 years ago in an 18-wheeler, I got a revelation of who God is. And so today I want to talk to you about a first-hand revelation and not a second-hand revelation. Do you know what a second-hand revelation is? It's your Bible. It's a second-hand revelation, something that's been revealed to, to someone else that God is letting you read. Can I get an amen? amen? And so here we go in Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, he said, Who do people say the Son of Man is? And the populace that time, they said, Some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah, and still others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And how many of us know that when a coach does this on the sideline, that means what? And Jesus is about to tell his homies, hey, wait, hold up, time out. Wait a minute, I understand what they say, but what do you say? Who do you say that I am? And one man steps out of the crowd, the one that you wouldn't think would step out. Simon Peter steps out and he, he said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You see, he had a firsthand revelation, and I want to tell you where he got it from in a moment, but in essence, here's what he was saying. You are the one whom God has anointed king. 
You are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You are the one that predicted long time ago to rule over people, over all nations, and Oklahoma City included, and in the life of Mark Crow included. You are the one that rule over people. You are the priest who is coming, the anointed one. And when he said all of that, Jesus said, Whoa, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. He says, for you are all that in a bag of chips. No, he didn't. He said, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father who is in heaven. And he said, because now that you have a revelation, I can build something with you. He said these words, because you know who I am. He said, I tell you that you are Peter. He ain't talking to the disciples now. He has made it personal. He's not talking to the disciples because they were all over the place. He said, I tell you that you are Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church. He said, upon your confession and upon this divine revelation, I can work with you. You see, I believe that Mark's got a revelation about what's to come. I believe that he's got a fresh revelation. He cannot operate out of the old revelation. Can I get an amen? amen. So you got to have a new one right now. And everybody needs a little bit of help. And I'm going to tell you right now, you can come. And I'm telling you, this is not about Mark Crow. This is about Jesus and what he's going to do through Mark Crow. And I'm going to tell you right now, and I'm going to finish up. I got two minutes left. I'm not like the other preacher. Listen. <laughs> we came, if you came here expecting other than Jesus, let me tell you what I believe we can say. We're not here to do Mark's thing. We're not here to do your thing, a black thing, or a white thing. We got to do a Jesus thing. And if we don't do that, we may as well shut this puppy down right now. Can I get an amen? amen? And then he says, upon your divine revelation and your profession of faith in me, Jesus turns this thing around and listen to what he said. And he said the word, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's saying, because you now have a revelation of who I am. I ain't talking about what you did and where you came from. He said, now that you've got a revelation, you got up out of the pig pen and came back to the Father. Come on, somebody. You're not still in the pig pen. He said, now that you got out of the pig pens and out of the mully grubs, I got something for you. And here's what he said I got for you. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you bind on this earth will be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on this earth will be loosed in heaven. And so what he's saying to Mark Crow is this, is that when something come against you, bind it up. When you need something from me, loosen it up. I bind the enemy on my behalf, and I loose blessings on the people of Oklahoma. You can bind it up, and you can loosen it up. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so if ever there was a time in America for a fresh revelation, it's right now. I pray that you get a fresh revelation. 39 years ago in an 18-wheeler, I got a revelation. And that revelation is still operating in my life today. And the one thing that, that God has called me to is a place called prison. And if you try to take me out of that, you're going to have big problems. Because that's who I am. But I do want to strengthen what remains. Oh, you hear what I'm saying? Say this with me. A first-hand revelation is what I need. I love you. Come on, Pastor.
Well, you know, you, you, missed, you missed a great Dr. Seuss line, Jesse. You all can sit down. It's a king thing. I was waiting for you to break out in a rap. <laughs> you know, it's uh, interesting because I've got like three sermons and I, I haven't preached any, any one of them. Because when I heard Sam talk about, we didn't get together, by the way, and talk about what we we're going to preach about. I don't know if that's ignorance or arrogance. I'm not sure which, but it could be both. But I, I just trusted these guys. And Sam talks about the resurrection. And how many of you know that, that if we don't honor the resurrection of Christ, and you say, well, how do we honor the resurrection of Christ? By allowing the power of that resurrection to work in our lives. You know, he didn't, he didn't rise from the dead to show off. Jesus wasn't that kind of guy. He didn't rise from the dead to prove the devil wrong. He rose from the dead to make us right. That's what he did. And so if we don't allow that resurrection power to drive our purpose and our destiny, we make a mockery of a horrible death that he died. You know, everyone in here has, some of y'all are a mess and some of y'all in a mess. Now, we love messes and we love people in messes. You know, I was one and I just decided to turn my mess into a message and the test into a testimony. Sam said it best, if you bury the story, it's all over. But if the story resembles that of Christ, and many thought they, they had him on that day, they thought, you know, we're going to shut this guy down. Everywhere he goes, he creates strife and division. Let me tell you, he didn't create strife and division. The problem was the revelation will always cut two ways. Whenever a revelation comes about the resurrection, people have a choice to make. Everybody gets to make that choice. What am I going to do with what Christ did? In my darkest hour, sitting in a, a room in Corpus Christi, Texas with John, who is not here yet, uh, I remember him looking at me that night. John is probably one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Uh, he has been very blessed in business, and I've known him for many years. I knew him before he was blessed in business. And over the years, John now has the largest plastics plant east of the Mississippi. Most of the clamshells that you eat your blueberries and strawberries out of, his company makes. And he sat in this room with me that night, and he, I said, John, I just don't know what I'm going to do. And he looked at me, and he said, Mark, as long as you're my friend, you will never worry about money. Now, that sounds good, but in that moment, I said the stupidest thing you could ever say to somebody who just offered you everything. I said, you know what, John? I think I can live without money, but I can't live without purpose. So I said, I think I'll take purpose and revelation over wealth. I said, because in my life, I'm driven and motivated by what God put in me. You, too, are driven and motivated by what God put in you. Some of you have let it go dormant. It's dead, and the miracle is that it's going to be resurrected in 2017. The thing you've dreamed about and you've been criticized for is about to come to life. But let me tell you something. You will never get to the place of your destiny without criticism. Ask Jesus. Everywhere he went, the very Son of God was criticized for raising the dead, laying hands on the sick, healing on the Sabbath. Everything that Jesus did went against the grain of the culture of that day. So if you think your success or destiny is going to come easy, think again. You will have to fight for that which Jesus fought for. You will have to believe for that which the resurrection has offered to you. It doesn't happen by default. It happens by design. So you have to get up every day and live your life by design. How do I want today to look? 
When Paul told, wrote to the church at Rome, he said, If the spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, in other words, if a resurrection spirit lives in you, he said that same spirit will raise you up. That same spirit. What spirit is that? It's the spirit that says yes to God. It's the spirit that surrendered to the very one that Jesus surrendered to when he's about to be crucified. And he said, Father, if it be possible, take this cup from me. Not my will, but your will be done. That's what I'm talking about. In that moment, the physical crucifixion that Christ was about to experience we look at it and we see the nails. We, we imagine the nail-scarred hands and the nails in his feet and the spear in his side. And we think physically how agonizing that must have been. But that was not the greater pain. The greater pain was that Christ in that moment was about to take the sins of all mankind, past, present, and future, and just take them on himself. Think about stealing that gum when you were a kid. Think about disobeying the teacher and throwing spit wads at the teacher when their backs turned to the board. Think about disobeying your mama and daddy and how guilty you felt over that one little moment. Christ was taking murder upon himself. He was taking every sin known to man, not mankind and unknown upon his soul. And in that moment, he began to bear every sin that you and I would ever commit. Thank God. You see, we make a mockery of the cross and the resurrection if we bow our knee to public opinion and criticism. I was tempted. I wanted to. I actually wanted to open a little bar in the U.S. Virgin Islands and, sell, and, and rent uh, paddle boards. Now, I know some of you, that shocked you a little bit that I would say that out loud. But you've got to be drunk to do what those people are doing. You know what I'm saying? I had everything... Mapped out in my mind, I thought, I'm done with this thing. I did my best, did good, happy with where I've been. And then God shows up on January 3rd and says, uh, 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 did I tell you you were finished? How many of you know when God asks you a question, he already knows the answer? So don't get cute and try to give him some answer that you think he's not going to get. You know, it's like, oh, I didn't know that. No, God asks you a question to see if you'll tell him the truth. And when he said, what did I tell you in August of 2009? I wanted to say, you know, God, I don't remember. And then he would have said, let me freshen your memory. Because that's how God rolls. Because the spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in me. You know, if last night you went out and uh, you got jacked up. <laughs> and right now you're sitting here going, I wish they'd turn the sound down. No, we will crank it up so your hangover will be over. But we're glad you're here because, you see, you have not allowed sin to dismiss the resurrection of the Son of God in your life. You have decided that the Spirit that raised Him from the dead can raise you from your little hangover. I love being a pastor of this kind of church. we got all kinds of messed up people. You don't know who's sitting next to you. Now I'm scaring you. You're hoping you're on the inside of people you know. You know, I used to always say, if they ain't cussing in the lobby, we ain't doing our job. All you got to do is look at it. Jesus hung out with. He didn't hang out with the Pharisees. You know, they, he didn't hang out with them. He hung out with hookers. I know they didn't call them that in that day, but I thought I'd modernize it. 
You see, we don't, we don't talk about Jesus in modern day terms because it's, it's too difficult to think that the Son of God would hang out with people like us. Now, some of y'all are thinking, it ain't, it ain't me, I'm good. No, no, you're jacked up. You jacked up at birth. Sin was coursing through your veins. It really was. No, and if you think you're really good and you're going to get to heaven because you're good, I'll be passing you in the fast lane on the way up. We don't get there because we're good. We get there because we accept the good work of Christ. That's the only reason we get there. I'm going to get there by grace. I'm going to irritate a lot of people. I'm going to be in the condo above your condo, and I'm going to tap dance at midnight. Wouldn't that be cool? All the people that messed with you on earth, you get to be. And there won't be one landlord, only the Lord, and he ain't going to come to your save, save you. He's going to say, keep tap dancing, Mark. It's going to be fun. You see, we have to have a dedication once we get the revelation of the resurrection and say, God, I'm committed to this. You know, because someday we are going to stand before God. And that scares some of you. It doesn't scare me. You know why it doesn't scare me at all? It didn't scare me in my darkest hour because God wasn't looking at my performance. He was looking at my faith. And I never lost faith in God. And he never lost faith in me. You see, we no longer are in authority over sin. Christ is in authority over sin. Now, we suffer because of sin. He suffered for our sin. He paid for our sin, and then we pay the consequences. We're punished by our sin. He was punished for our sin. And there's a difference. I'm not saying that you get off scot-free, that you can go do what you want. That's not what I'm saying. But in the midst of it all, people say, Where, what did you feel during that dark time? I said, I never really felt closer to God. Because the Bible says where sin abounds, grace does more abound. Now, I was miserable, but it wasn't because God was missing. It was because I was missing God. You see, someday... I won't answer to my critics. Public opinion will not be who I stand before. I won't, I won't stand before my parents. I won't stand before my friends. I'll stand before God. That's who you'll stand before. And if I would have listened to public opinion, I would be in the U.S. Virgin Islands right now. And there are days every week that that sounds really good. But because I realized in 1977 that my life had been bought with a price. And that Christ's resurrection was all about me. And it was all about you. It's all about us. That I had no choice if I was going to have any peace in this life. But to listen to him. Paul said these words. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection. You see, you'll never be resurrected without a death. That's how come Paul said, I die every day. So every day I get up, I get up and I say, today I die. I die to me. I die to the things I want to do. I'm not perfect. I still want to, I still want to just slap stupid drivers. You know, and every now and then I pass them and I realize I got a mosaic sticker on my back window. I, I hate that. I want to take it off. 
Because I, I just not, that's just been one of the things I've not been able to overcome. And, and if you're one of those stupid drivers, God loves you, I love you, but take a course. <laughs> I'm doing my best. I'm working on grace in that area, but not every day. <laughs> and I'll close with these, and you'll notice I don't know how much time I have left because I'm the pastor. I've invited myself back for next Sunday already. You suckers may never get it again. All right, so anyway. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8 says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. You notice Paul has no fear in saying this. He's, I'm being poured out like a drink offering. Paul had no tribe. Paul was a Jew that the Jews hated. Because Paul said, I'm going to the Gentiles. So Paul separated himself from the people that he called his people to go reach a people that the Jews hated. Paul said, I'll follow God no matter what. And he said, you can kill me if you want to, but you can't scare a Christian with heaven. You just can't scare a believer with heaven. As a matter of fact, every now and then, I, I just can't wait. I wish I had a seat when OG&E and ONG and, and the bank wants my payment you know, someday and I'm in heaven. I just hope nobody tells them for a while. I just want to sit up there and watch them sweat. It's going to be a great day when we don't have to pay those bills. You look from heaven and say, sorry, sucker. Paul said, I've been poured out like a drink offering. He said, I really don't care. You know, I told you guys at one point during my darkest hour, I literally was flying every week. I remember flying to Dubai, Johannesburg, from Johannesburg to L.A., and then to China. And I would literally get on airplanes and lay hands on them and ask God to let them crash. I said, I just want to go to heaven. I was miserable. You said, well, that's a scary thing because you were living stupid. Yeah, but he was righteous. And we're the righteousness of God in Christ, not in our own righteousness. God never stops loving us. And his grace is everlasting. You say, but you take advantage of it. You know what? Stupid hits everybody. It just doesn't hit everybody in public the way it did me. See, some of y'all have been hit privately with a stupid stick, and you know it. And that's where you press into God. You don't run from him. You press into him. And Paul said these words, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I have kept the faith. We have a fight to fight. And let me tell you something, folks. And Jesse, I don't know if he said it this service or last, we get lost in preaching. But I want to say this to all of you. I didn't come back here to get revenge on Victory Church. I love Victory Church. I'd be stupid not to. I'm the one that built it in the power of God. I'd be dumb to wish its demise. I don't. And I want to tell you the truth. With everything in me, I never wanted to leave. And you know what? I have no animosity or anger toward anyone. I really don't. I'm only here because Jesus said, come back. I'd much rather be on a beach somewhere. I'm just being honest with you. I'm going to live that. The rest, well, someday, I'm going to tell you, when I get to heaven, I'm going to have a, a, a castle overlooking the ocean in glory. <laughs> Y'all can come and visit, but it's going to be a private beach. I don't want fellowship at that point. I just want me and Jesus in the water. You can hit me up on the heavenly cell phone. I probably won't answer My fight, your fight, our fight is not against flesh and blood. I'm on the same team with Life Church, Crossies, Victory, every other church in town. I'm on the same team. 
Now, some of them don't like me being on that team, but I'm on that team. I'm on that team. We're fighting the same fight. We're fighting the same devil. We're serving the same God. Don't let anything divide. So don't talk nasty about anybody to me. I don't need any nasty, nasty talk. I'm going to be happy. The Bible says, bless those who persecute you. Bless and curse not. It just freaks people out. And Satan goes into a frenzy when you start loving people who hate you. I'm not saying anybody hates me. I'm not pointing out. I'm just saying there are people who do. Some of you may be here. Like I said in the first service, I felt like it was a NASCAR race. Some of you come and watch me race, and others wanted to see if I'd crash. <laughs> That's what they do at NASCAR. I don't give a flip about them going round and round. I want to see them run into a wall. I'm just being honest with you. Bored stiff watching this. I like it when one of them hits. You know, boom, yeah. That's how come you ever notice going down the highway? Y'all, people have a wreck on the other side. Traffic stops to nothing on this side because y'all rubbernecking. We've got to teach the world that disaster cannot pair, compare with resurrection, with life. Fight the good fight. Run your race. If you're, if you're in somebody else's business, who's taking care of yours? I don't have time to be in anybody else's business. We're going to run the race. I'm going to tell you, like, like Pastor Sam said, every week I want to see miracles in his house. I want to see people's lives changed and transformed. Sad become happy. The depressed become joyful. The sick become healthy. The impoverished become wealthy. I want to see a double blessing on everybody's life. And you can criticize me if you want, but that's what Jesus died and rose from the dead for. I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. One translation says, I've come that you might have life and have it to the full. And you don't have to strive for it because Psalm 46.10 says, Cease striving and know that I'm Lord. I am God. So you don't have to strive for this. You can go to an apple orchard and you won't hear a sound. Those trees are not grunting to produce apples. If you're a believer, you don't have to grunt to produce the life of God. You just have to stand there in the wind. And the fruit of God's spirit will grow in your life. Father, thank you so much for giving us abundant life, forgiveness, and grace, and mercy. Lord, the spirit that raised you from the dead lives in us and in this house. It's a resurrection spirit. And Lord, I thank you that those who have been depressed, downcast, and discouraged today would find a reverse in how they think and how they feel that you would rise up in them and that the destiny that was deposited in them while they were in their mother's womb would begin to flourish now that they're outside of it. God, I thank you that those who have been criticized to the point of silence and paralysis would now have a new analysis of your plan for their lives. God, raise them up. Let the dream live again. Breathe on it today, God. Let the hopeless find hope and the unloved find love today, God. Let those who have been judged know the mercy of heaven, that your mercies are new every morning. God, may a joy unspeakable rise up in this place and in every home because the joy of the Lord is our strength. With heads bowed and eyes closed, those of you would say, man, I got to have some of that. The dream I had in high school, the dream I had in college, the dream I had for my family, the dream I had for my marriage has been dead for a long time. I need God to breathe on it. I need God to do something to, to restore. I need God to do something to resurrect. 
It takes courage. It takes courage. It took courage for Christ to come to earth as a perfect man and be tempted and tested in every, every way and yet without sin. It took courage for him to submit himself to a group of people who would ultimately crucify him. It took courage to believe that God would be there on the third day to raise him up out of that tomb. It took courage. You can't have resurrection without a death, so it's time for you to die to fear. It's time for you to die to doubt. It's time for you to die to criticism. And it's time for you to rise up and believe that when Christ rose from the dead, that he makes it now possible for you to rise from the death in your life to dead dreams. You say, man, I got to have some of that. I've been living below instead of above. Not following Christ. I haven't been right where you're seated with heads bowed and eyes closed. And those of you watching online around the world, we invite you wherever you're at in the hotel room, in your house, in your apartment, wherever you might be. I just want to ask you when I count to three, those of you that would say, hey, today's a new day. I'm going to be a part of the resurrection power of Christ. And I refuse to live the way I've been living and submit myself to the lies and deceit of the devil. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what John 10 says. And so if you say today is enough, I just want you to lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift it up right now. All over this building. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Those of you watching at home, just keep it lifted right now. I'm not going to have you do anything. I just want you to lift it up because what you're saying is I'm not ashamed anymore. For me to come back here, I had to say, you know what? I don't care what people say and I don't care what people think. You've been living in the shadows of shame and you don't do it anymore. Because God's not ashamed of you any more than you'd be ashamed of your children. You love your children. You'll always love them. Put your hands down. Let's pray this. Say, Father God. And those of you watching online, stop right now. Those of you watching online, pray this with me right where you're at. Father God, today I surrender to you. I die to self. I die to doubt. I doubt a fear. And today, God, I surrender to you. And I declare resurrection over the things in my life that have been dead, that have been dormant. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. I love you guys. Next Sunday, 9, 30, and 11, Pastor Rick, would you come? Come on, church. Give Jesus a hand.